At the end of the day, this is a business model about people <laughs> and neighborhoods and communities. Wouldn't it be beautiful to connect Wall Street to Main Street and to do well and do good at the same time? It's going to be the legacy of 2020 that next door put neighbors together for a cause and then forever. Oh, thank you very much. It often starts online, but we know that it continues into the real world, and that is the superpower of Nextdoor. Somebody can post the sky is blue, and by the fifth or the tenth post, it's turned into all-out war on next door. It has become a kind of digital superhighway for racial discrimination, for unconscious bias or very conscious bias about who belongs in your neighborhood and who doesn't, and who's suspicious and who's not. Unlike Citizen and Neighbors, Nextdoor is more than a crime-fighting app. It helps small businesses connect to their local customers and gain new customers with free business postings. Local news outlets, which have been dwindling for years, have used the platform to reach a larger local audience with articles that are relevant to their communities. But its reputation as a public safety tool has drawn criticism. Some have argued that this is basically neighborhood watch on steroids. You're giving people in the community and neighborhoods the tools to monitor their fellow neighbors and that can go out of hand very quickly. Welcome back to Wet Wired, everyone. I'm Sean Andes. And I'm Julian Paul Butt. This episode is dedicated to all of you out there who've once moved into a new neighborhood and thought it might be a good idea to meet and talk to your neighbors online instead of in person. I mean, what could go wrong, right? With <laughs> trying to have a parasocial relationship with people who actually live down the street from you? It's the worst of both worlds. Well, this is exactly where Nextdoor comes in. So you probably could think of this episode as more of a PSA than anything else, or maybe a series <laughs> of cautionary tales. <laughs> <laughs> the entire social network functions as a narrowly focused neighborhood-based sort of Facebook group. You add your street address and get placed in a cohort of people that live roughly nearby. And you can really tell this is exactly what the neighborhood or yeah, the, you can really tell that this is exactly what the developers of Nextdoor were going for because it looks like Facebook from 2007. That's exactly, that, <laughs> yeah. the, 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 the it really has that feel. Has that feel of the, 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 the very old, you know, circa 2010 Facebook timeline. And it still looks like it. It looks the same. Yeah, it looks the same as Facebook, Facebook did back then because that was the intended function. You know, they, they were probably looking at the, the types of engagement that they had back then and, they, and that's exactly what they created. And you can imagine what the pitch meeting sounded like when they were trying to get VC funding, that it's basically just like Facebook, but only for your block. If they were pitching it badly, they would say, hey, you know what, how much fun you have at your neighborhood association? What if we <laughs> took that online? <laughs> and I, I think that to fill out the activity feed, Nextdoor seems to increase the range based on maybe just the, the raw number of signups in an area. So, for example, I, you know, for this episode, I signed up so that I could see what my neighborhood's feed looks like. And I got feeds that were from, 
I, or I had, uh, I had posts that were visible on my feed that were from well outside my neighborhood. So it seems to be going almost citywide. So I, I think that if there's, they, I, I saw somewhere that the uh, the ideal is something like four to six thousand signups for your uh, for a, a particular area, and they must expand that because they want to you know keep it fresh and keep you seeing new stuff on a regular basis. So they, if, the, if you only had a couple of hundred in your neighborhood, and and maybe people don't post that often, so it would look pretty dead, and people would just stop going. I live in straight up downtown Seattle. And a bit north of my position, it's in Belltown for anybody who's familiar with Seattle. A little bit north of me is is Queen Anne, and almost all of the posts that I get are coming straight from Queen Anne. I don't know if that's where all the NIMBYs and Karens are living. I don't know. I don't know why I'm getting all Queen Anne, but it is just a nonstop parade of posts from that area. That is, is that a rich neighborhood? Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's areas of it where like there are apartments that are affordable and things like that, but it's better known for being a rich neighborhood and not my area necessarily. I studios is all you get where I live. I, if you get in an apartment, you must be in a mansion where I'm located. Nextdoor clearly wants to keep people moving around the site, just like any, any developed site they have. They, they try to give people things to do and they, they highlight some things and make some things available to other people that are looking a little bit deeper and to these ends, Nextdoor tries to be more than just its reputation as a place to bitch about your neighbors and try to sell them your old couch. They, they attempt to engage users with repeated, persistent requests to rate local restaurants and other businesses and to keep things regional, you know, to, to, a, to a pretty tight region. They also restrict advertising to local businesses, so, or to local businesses only. So that means that you don't you don't necessarily see ads that are going to be running for other parts of your state or even sometimes other parts of your city. I would think if you if there's enough uh, population density where you are. And in theory, I can really appreciate the the idea of trying to create this way to connect locally, where we have limited tools to do so. I, I made a joke about neighborhood associations before, but there's not a lot of really great ways to correct to connect with neighbors that are explicitly on the basis that they're your neighbors rather than uh, uh, other, other kinds of ways that you connect with affinity groups in your local area, such as going to the same concerts as other people who like that type of music or theater for other people who like theater. Right. It's, it's an affinity group based on where you live as opposed to your interests. And this is something that uh, that I discovered too when I was when I was reading more and more about Nextdoor is that it hits something called this mid circle. So the 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 close circle are going to be people that are in your life. These are your friends, maybe your family if you still if you're still on speaking terms with them, and those are <laughs> people who you're interacting with regularly. That's your close. This is your close circle versus a social network like well, like Facebook or like Twitter or even Reddit, where you're associating with people that you most likely have never met in person. So this mid-circle are people who you're familiar with, maybe even acquainted with, but you're not close with them. So this this is where Nextdoor is trying to wedge itself into everybody's lives in this, in this middle circle. And understandably, activity on Nextdoor jumped more than 80% at the beginning of the pandemic. Obviously, everybody's inside, and now they're they're looking for 
you know, not only are they looking for something to do, but they're looking for news about about coronavirus and they're trying to figure out what's going on. And unfortunately, that means turning to friends and neighbors who most likely don't know anything more than you. But at the same time, there they are. And there were, you know, so there was lots of discussions about shelter in place orders. And also some users saw an opportunity to do a little bit of horse trading for necessary supplies like toilet paper. You know, you see yeah. things like like <laughs> like there, there were posts that I read that were pandemic specific that were, you know, along the lines of well-stocked pantry willing to negotiate. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's Mad Max meets Twitter. <laughs> and, it, you know, so this big user bump, as well as the the BLM protest, the that uh, the following year following the murder of George of uh, George Floyd. They brought some serious challenges to Nextdoor, and one of them was something that was probably always, you know, always nascent, but it really, it really came up to the forefront because of the protests and because of the big user bump. And that was this the how how encouraged it was really to racially profile, and it because and it's because the app really singles out. The uh, and encourages spotting someone who doesn't belong as part of the neighborhood watch kind of aspect of it, and this it's, implicit it's bias. The, it's the it's the old waspy woman in the Midwest who's peeking through the blinds at the neighbors just to see what's going on. Always and- peeking <laughs> through the neighbors, <laughs> or always peeking through the blinds to watch what the neighbors are up to. And yeah. this is really, I mean, this is the reputation that's persisted, and I'm sure that they. And we'll, we'll talk about a little bit of this cleanup operation that they've done too. The it turns out that because of this reputation for encouraging really racist rants and racist posts posts on Nextdoor, they they employed this guy whose specialty is is reputation management specifically on Wikipedia. Now Wikipedia has a um, has restrictions about. Uh, acknowledging uh, relationships with the uh, with the focus of a particular article. So if you're a company and you and you hire somebody to edit your your Wikipedia page, well you really can't do that. Wikipedia doesn't want you to hire somebody to be able to hire somebody to do your writing. They they rely on third parties that are with the idea that the third party is generally going to be less interested in the outcome than somebody who you employ. The the way around this that a couple of people have found, and this is really a small niche, is that they will they are very well versed in the machinery of suggesting edits to a page. They cannot make the edits themselves, but they are able to to make these suggestions in a way that is that really just works well with the Wikipedia machinery. And if you look at the the at a Wikipedia article, you'll see at the top of it is the uh, there's two tabs that most people don't look or don't ever pay attention to. The first one says article, and the one right next to it says talk. And if you click on that talk page, you can see all of the comments for sections that might not be visible on the front page. So, for example. There is no racial profiling and controversy section in the main article for Nextdoor, but it's still there. That whole history is preserved on the talk page. And you can see 
this is just reading from from the the section that has been removed because of some comments and some controversy that it says starting in 2015 media outlets have reported that next door users have been racially profiling people of color in neighborhoods across the United States. In 2016, Nextdoor announced that users would be asked to submit identifying characteristics other than race when posting warnings about individuals or events in the neighborhood. According to the company member agreement, any registered sex offender or sharing a household with a registrant is cause for immediate termination of services. So that means you cannot be a sex offender, a registered sex offender, and use Nextdoor. Now, of course, you can until somebody connects the dots. Yeah. How would they even verify that? Well, that's the thing. That's an interesting thing about Nextdoor, too, is that there is there are no paid moderators. They employ absolutely no one. I was really thinking about that when when I was doing a little bit of research before this episode. And I was thinking about Wikipedia because Wikipedia is, in my view, a a great example of how to do community-based contributions in, in a, a very serious kind of a platform where not that Facebook can't have seriousness to it or Twitter or something like that, but Wikipedia is really meant to be a very serious platform that is s- s- focused primarily on crowdsourcing. That's how they get the majority of the material. And they can't just rely entirely on uh, uh, volunteers to do all of the heavy lifting as far as admin and regulation and things like that. They need to have some sort of a, a regulatory mechanism and their mechanism works in my opinion, pretty fucking well, but it's, it, it is something that they've developed over years for sure that mixes. They have paid staff that work on this concern they also have users who over a long period of time built up a reputation as being reputable or as being as being trustworthy is what i meant to say and then they kind of upgrade the more posts that they reliably uh regulate and alter and edit and and, and so forth that has really made wikipedia a pretty reliable source of information and obviously you wouldn't cite Wikipedia in some kind of a paper that you were writing for, for school or, or some other serious journal, but you can use it as a pretty reliable source that has uh, uh, a good system of self-regulation, despite how many thousands, I don't know, maybe millions of contributors it has. And Nextdoor does not do anything fucking close to that. No, they, for moderation on Nextdoor, they rely on these, uh, on community moderators called leads. And what, and basically the whole process to become a lead is opaque. There, there is no description of how you become a lead. One way that seems to, that, that seems to, uh, or one path to become a lead that seems to exist is to be, uh, to be invited by somebody else who was already a lead. And another one that I've read about, but I did not verify, is just simply using the contact form to report something to next door staff and just requesting to be a lead. Uh, <laughs> hey, the, can I be a lead? <laughs> You're the, in. The, the the author of this uh, the author of this Atlantic article that we're gonna we're gonna reference pretty soon, and we're gonna read from. 
did exactly that. She said that she just, she created a new account. The account was days old and she requested to be a community moderator for her area and was, was approved. So that's, that all, that all plays in this, this process of how, how leads are, um, how this lead status is awarded really comes in later on when we're, when we're going to talk about some of the, uh, the election misinformation type things. But before we get all the way there, what I, what I found when I was looking at my Nextdoor activity feed was really what you'd think would be there on, on what is essentially an overgrown listserv for a neighborhood or an email list or something like that. I mean, this is how people in neighborhoods contacted each other online before or you know, setting up a forum or something. And I see lost pets. Uh, notices about found pets, uh, gardening tips. One of the things that seems to be pretty popular around my area is how advice on how to get rid of ants. Um, then there, there's some photos of some deer that wandered into a user's luck, uh, photos of some deer that wandered into a user's yard, and then news about a cleanup operation at a nearby drainage ditch. So I mean, pretty, pretty banal municipal stuff for the most part. Yeah. I mean, you'll, you'll see conversation about homeless people and stuff like that, but it really wasn't the type of conversation that has been highlighted in other parts of the country. And I think that some of that has to do with the general attitude in Albuquerque, uh, the prevailing attitude in Albuquerque about the, about the homeless population that, the, that has grown significantly in the past couple of years here, like a lot of other places, is that we need more services. That seems to be the, the prevailing attitude. And that's really represented on the, my next door activity feed. That's, you know, the, there's a, there's a, a city service that's available where you can, you can contact them and they will send out people who are not necessarily social workers, but people who have that mindset rather than just calling the police when there's a homeless encampment. And a number and of what, years ago, one of the mayors, uh, I, I don't remember which one doesn't matter. He, he, implemented something where there was this kind of like almost like a day labor program where where somebody who was panhandling they said hey uh, we'll give you we'll give you give you a job today or, or something like that i don't remember what the exact one was but and, albuquerque well, has done a few things along those lines what's going on here is you know they'll, they'll they come out in this you know in these white minivans and and you know their polo shirts and jeans or whatever they're wearing and then they go talk to people and let them know, you know, what's available and do you want to ride over to this shelter or you can, you know, do you want to ride over to this place where we can get you some food and you can get cleaned up, that sort of stuff. Uh, the one exception, now, that's not to say that there have not been camp dis, uh, like camps dismantled. That has absolutely happened here. And that's that's an issue that a lot of people are very upset about. But it, is, it has absolutely happened. Um Usually that's the, the, the explanation for that, whether it's just an excuse or, or an actual legitimate explanation has to do with sanitation concerns and, or, and, or there was, you know, a violence, there was some sort of an assault or something like that. At that point, you know, those, those encampments have been dispersed, you know, which is the nice way of saying that a bunch of city workers show up with equipment and knock down everybody's tents um, and bulldoze everything into the back of a truck. The, um, the exception to that that was probably a lot more warranted is, you know, we have these drainage ditches uh, running throughout the city for runoff from the mountains. 
and water can come blasting through there at about 30 miles an hour, sweeping everything, including people and animals away with it. So people set up under uh, underneath bridges inside of these ditches. Arroyos. That's, that's yeah. And that, that is not that that's not a good idea. <laughs> it's yeah. Not a good idea at all. It's really dangerous, but it's cooler in the summertime. So that's why they go there. Here in Seattle, there there is a lot of discussion almost constantly in local politics about the homeless population. And I mean, it's it's visible on next door as well, especially with the more trending topics that I see. But you see it in the discussion for city councilors, for um, other local elected officials. It is the main topic uh, that that comes up in in elections here locally is questions about the homeless population. And Seattle does a pretty decent job of some things regarding social services and and other things. It has had issues in plenty of areas, and it still has a ton of issues. Part of that is that we have people like Bezos who literally veto uh, uh, proposals that, that could help with the situation. You can Google the head tax if you're really curious about what I'm referencing. But uh, then we have uh, uh, some really interesting contrasts by neighborhood, where some neighborhoods are obviously filled the brim with more homeless populations. And then you've got places like Mercer Island that uh, will give that a we'll homeless person about a boot in a immediately. And actually, I did want to say I, I had I, I saved uh, I screenshotted a one of the posts on my next door because I thought it was really really fun. Uh, this person said, "Anyone missing any of these items? Our kitty cat is a cat burglar, and has brought all of these knickknacks through the past year or so. Everything from sunglasses to stress balls, fidget bracelets, and a surplus of gardening gloves. And it's an image of dozens of things. It." <laughs> It's got it's got like uh, a, a pan holder. Uh, it's got toys of various sorts, children's and presumably dog toys. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not all oh, yeah. bad on next door. No, it's not. It, it really it really is not all bad. But those kinds of posts, they can get some engagement, but it is nothing compared to other kinds of posts. And Next Nextdoor has learned the Silicon Valley lessons very well. They know that these calm, composed interactions do not lead to that kind of engagement. What they really need to get people going is fear and rage. <laughs> and, and Nextdoor is excellent for this. <laughs> and this is where, as opposed to the activity feed, this is where the notifications come in. And if you, you know, I, th I think there's probably a, a direct relationship with the older a, a user is and the more and, and how much more likely they are to have push notifications turned on on their phones. Yeah, the, the I, I, I don't they think they start automatically on. Yes, they start automatically on and you have to turn them off. And most people just don't. So this notifications feed, this is this is the best of the best that Nextdoor has to offer when it comes to to uh engagement driving posts. And the main metrics that they seem to be using are just comments and emoji reactions. I mean, there, there's a like button, but there, but you can also react with emojis. And about two, about two thirds of these posts from my area are about porch pirates. 
That's it. <laughs> and the rest are all unfamiliar people walking through the neighborhood. I mean, there, there was one post that had about 100 comments and it was only maybe a week old. About And it was a photo that somebody had taken from their front door of a guy walking a dog and they didn't recognize him. <laughs> and and all these all these 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 heartfelt posts. Oh, I bet he stole that dog. And then somebody said, "I think that's my dog." And then it was just it just went on and on and on like this. And I I mean, it was like some kind of like a Chihuahua mix. How common is that? You know, like in this. So who knows whose dog that was? In Albuquerque specifically, that is but like number one dog. It is this this baseline presumption, though, that the dog must be stolen and this guy must have stolen it and he must not belong in this neighborhood because I've never seen him before. You know, we, we had this going on. We, I lived briefly in a neighborhood that had a uh, that had a uh, uh, homeowners association and I will never do that again. But the, the I briefly lived there and this uh, there was there was the community was is small so it wasn't uh, it wouldn't even be appropriate for it to go in a place like next door because they felt themselves as kind of removed from the surrounding neighborhood anyway the so the boundaries would have been too large for this group but they did have a back and forth email list that was very active and i featured on there as an intruder in the neighborhood because i was walking <laughs> from my house to my truck, which was parked around the corner because it's a neighborhood association. You couldn't leave vehicles parked overnight in the driveway. There wasn't room in the garage for two cars at the time. Anyway, the, so I had to park around the, around the corner on the side, on the, uh, on an adjacent street. And I got flagged as being this suspicious character walking around because I had a jacket and a winter hat on when it was 20 degrees outside. I always thought you looked suspicious, Sean, and this just confirms my beliefs. And then somebody else replied like, no, that's Sean. And he's actually really nice. (laughs) But just that response, he's actually really nice in spite of my appearance. (laughs) And also, you know, so these engagement generating posts, these rage filled like back and forth with hundreds and hundreds of comments. More than a few times since Nextdoor was founded in 2008, one of these posts has generated so much engagement that it just it broke the walls of Nextdoor. It broke containment and made it out into the rest of the internet. And these are a few of my favorites. Jules, why don't, why don't you read through this first one? PSA. No, no, say where, where the neighborhood is listed oh, there yeah, too. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, Rancho Cucamonga. <laughs> Neighborhood Don't, no, watch. no, no, no. It is not Rancho nothing. This, this is a community, oh. a couple of, uh, an hour or so, hour and a half or so. It's going to be in to Florida. The, no, to the or, east of Los Angeles. Oh, Los Angeles. And, That's right. And this is Rancho Cucamonga. And so for all of you Californians out there that have ever had the pleasure of driving through the endless strip malls of Rancho Cucamonga, <laughs> this is for you. <laughs> and, and, it's, and it's labeled Neighborhood Watch. As well yeah. as, as the subtitle, PSA, Halloween is officially four weeks away. You could just say a month, bud. Anyway, Halloween is officially four weeks away, and I was hoping to catch you all before you make your candy selections. Oh, God, is this going to be one of those there's razors and drugs in the candy posts? It's even better than that. <laughs> this, this is for the, the, the more discerning quality of people that live in Rancho Cucamonga as opposed to the neighboring <laughs> communities. 
Over the last three Halloweens, I've noticed candy stock has become more and more diluted with cheap candy. <laughs> I, this is a legitimate complaint. I mean, you can't be just passing out cheap candy. I don't think this trend is the result of the higher bills or even the new constructions, but cheap candy has somehow infiltrated our community for Halloween and it has to stop. Dum Dums, Smarties, and Jolly Ranchers may be suitable for Ontario, Fontana, and even Montclair, but not here in Rancho Cucamonga. We are an affluent neighborhood, and this status should be reflected in our candy provisions for Halloween. Standard <laughs> standard full or king-size candy is the bar. Pun intended. It's written, by the way. It's written pun intended. We set our community on Halloween. If you purchase the fun size, you don't need to return them. Just keep in mind that four to six of those fun size bars equate to a standard size bar when you doll when you it says doll out when you dole out the candy to trick or to trick or treaters. And please, for God's sakes, leave those peep candies alone. No one, and I mean no one, wants those terrible marshmallow tragedies. <laughs> Some of these complaints are legitimate. <laughs> For the elderly who hand out coins, unless you... <laughs> <laughs> this is a bygone era. For the elder elderly who hand out coins, unless you plan on throwing some quarters into the mix, stop peddling your pennies and step up your game this Halloween. It's a calculated loss to the trick-or-treaters after you adjust for inflation and the opportunity cost of what they could have received elsewhere if they had just skipped your house. <laughs> <laughs> he, gets, he gets into economics. <laughs> so this is, uh, this is Leroy from Creston Kenilworth. I don't know where that is, but definitely somebody let me know. Hi, all. Now we all use devices to connect to the internet and whatnot, and my grandkids come over and use their phones and iPads too. Well, the other day, my grandson went to connect to the Wi-Fi, and our neighbor's router name is All Cops Are Buttholes. <laughs> now, my, now my wife and I are very upset because he started crying, and we had to explain to him that indeed all cops are not buttholes, etc. <laughs> and, and it's just generally a rude thing to broadcast. Is there any way I could possibly block this signal or possibly call the non-emergency police and have them go over and give them a stern warning? I bet they wouldn't like to hear about a network named All Cops or Buttholes. Any ideas, guys? <laughs> <laughs> this one is from Simon in Tufnell Park North. And this is a uh, this has a leaf next to it, so I think that means this person is a lead. I would believe it. Little gang of teenagers by Tufnell Park playing fields. A little gang of teen. Oh, you hooligans are you hooligans are Th in my are, lawn again. <laughs> those are playing fields. <laughs> yeah, of course. A little gang of teenagers have started hanging out, hanging about by Tufnell Park playing fields and the opposite playing corner fields, playing fields. As in sports complex. Playing oh, fields. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. They're, they're not playing a game called fields. I mean, it could be. <laughs> I'll, I'll start again. No, a no, no. Keep going. Keep going. And the opposite corner of Campdale Road and Mercer's Road. This seems to have started about two weeks ago. 
They appeared as it gets dark. I haven't seen them be causing any trouble, but just was wondering if anyone else had noticed them too. Would say there are about 10 members. And then there's a reply among 47 previous comments. Uh, Karen, her real name is Karen, from Dartmouth Park. Simon, stop snitching on my son or I'll tell your wife I'm sleeping with you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. There's one more. Looks like I can make some rubbing alcohol. This is a COVID era one, of course. Looks like I can make some rubbing alcohol with my aloe vera plants. Should I? One response. No, you can actually get chlamydia from certain rubbing alcohols if you put them on your hands, then touch your genitals. (laughs) I know it's not what you want to hear, but it happened to me. (laughs) And then the, uh, the last one here is urgent alert. Warning. All the avocados at Whole Foods are rock hard. (laughs) (laughs) So in the end, Nextdoor really isn't much more than just a place to bitch about your neighbors and try to sell them your old couch and complain about produce at the local organic food store. (laughs) It's it's the knitting circle online. They're moderators, especially during the height of the... the, 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 this This is me. Oh, oh, sorry. My bad. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Now on to a little bit of the racial profiling problem or back to it. Moderators, especially during the height of the Black Lives Matter protests in 2020, took down posts about BLM protests or said they were or said they were there were upcoming riots that needed to be reported to police. This is from a 2020 article in The Verge. Guidance from the company has been minimal. Gordon Strauss, next door's director of community, responded to questions regarding Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter moderation and a separate thread calling for leads to take a step back from moderating these discussions. I would let people have their say as long as they're expressing their own beliefs and not attacking others, Strauss wrote. In a statement to The Verge, a Nextdoor spokesperson said that allowing Black Lives Matter content on the platform has caused some confusion among moderators, but it did not offer any additional guidance. We want your neighborhood on next door to reflect your actual neighborhood and therefore being community moderated is important. The spokesperson said that's it. That's the guidance. Yeah. So yeah, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of like, it's just a, a long winded version version of saying, use your best judgment, even though the, <laughs> the, the people have already demonstrated that their judgment is suspect. This is in the context of them posting pro BLM stuff on their Twitter and other social media at that same time, and then a lot of the moderators are are taking down this this kind of content in 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 clearly uh, 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 teams of people taking well, this, this stuff this down. This is a yeah. This is the thing about how the moderation works on Nextdoor is that the there isn't really any sort of oversight uh, unless uh, unless you're talking about an extreme situation. There is not really any sort of oversight over the, ma- the actions of the moderators. So these volunteer moderators that are self-selecting, and that's an important part of this, I think, they've, they, they have chosen to be moderators. They are not paid for this service. So you have to wonder what, what are they getting out of it? You know, this, this thrill of moderating that they, <laughs> that they seem <laughs> to receive. And there is nothing that stops them from taking down things that they just don't like, even if they don't 
even if they don't break the, uh, or even if they're, they're, they're not following the community guidelines. So if, or if there's no, there's no impingement on the community guidelines that next door establishes a moderator still has the leeway to just remove posts that are distasteful to them personally, or leave posts up that have been flagged or leave posts up that you, other users are flagged. They can over, they, they can, because all the flag does is bring it to the moderator's attention. It doesn't, nothing else happens from the flag. And it, I mean, there, there is an automatic takedown process. I believe that if something is flagged in a short period of time with nobody going the other direction, um, where with nobody, uh, uh, nobody interacting with it otherwise that actually might just be for the moderators though and you know so this this takedown action there there's no way to reverse it really either i mean if a person gets their post taken down they don't really have much recourse to contest this and this is all going to come up as you know as we're moving into this next part of the of the show where we're we're talking about some specific events and basically that what what we've seen over the last few election cycles is that Beyond Nextdoor being this enhanced digital bulletin board to talk about your missing pets or make noise complaints, it's also been shown to be a place of, well, of contentious politics and a place where you can influence local politics specifically. And remember that the reach here that you have on Nextdoor is really limited as opposed to something like Facebook, where you can, your post can go wherever it goes. And on next door, it doesn't really break out of your own area so much. That's not a hundred percent true, but it is it is pretty true. On my notifications feed, I did see at least one post that was from Oklahoma, which is nowhere near where I am. But I, I think that this was this was an exception because everything else on the notifications feed was at least from my city. It it also adds to the to the to the mix. The the sort of behaviors that you get from parasocial relationships where it's a lot easier to be angry at a stranger, to uh, go on some kind of a rant at at what you perceive as a faceless entity, and especially for an audience, the other commenters or posters or whomever, and blending that with the the kind of local paranoia that you can get from from these sort of uh, neighborhood association, homeowners association, NIMBY Karen characters who are peeking out the blinds and and looking for strangers in the neighborhood where this encourages some of those sorts of posts uh, by getting a lot more reactions and likes. And even if it's people saying, no, you're full of shit, that's going to drive it up even more when people are responding to it negatively as much as positively. And it is giving a, a, an audience to the person who otherwise might have to go to a neighborhood association meeting or talk to their neighbor in order to complain about these sorts of things. Whereas this gives it a, a, a unique sort of viral expression about this activity of looking for suspicious strangers in the neighborhood, which is exactly the kind of way that neighborhood watches lead to the kind of racial division and problems that we see 
or have seen well before this app came around. These next details are largely from a story that ran in The Atlantic about a woman named Kate Accuse, who ran for city council in 2021 on the roughly 6.5 square mile island of Mercer near Seattle. The local situation on Mercer Island creates a a unique set of circumstances. There is no local television station focusing solely on Mercer, and the circulation of the only newspaper has shrunk to just 1,600 households on an island of around 2,500 or 25,000 people. And this, you know, this this scenario makes a place like Mercer a sort of a canary for other parts of the country with disappearing local press. But since people still want to know what's happening in this scenario, uh, but since people still want to know what's happening. Absent journalists with some kind of skills at research and parsing information, the circumstances result in the everyday version of doing your own research, you know, sort of QAnon style. <laughs> and instead of <laughs> relying on the, you know, the old small town custom of diner counter gossip, people are now turning to social media to find their news, even the local news. And Nextdoor is positioned as a specialist in this area. This is from The Atlantic. More than half of Mercer Island's residents, about 15,000, use the platform. It's where many of the island's civic debates unfurl. During the heated 2021 city council race between Anderil and Akius, residents saw Nextdoor playing an additional role as a font of misinformation. The city council election between Kate Akius and her opponent, Lisa Anderil, was largely centered on a proposed ordinance against camping on the street. So this is obviously tying back into this ongoing problem with the the, the dramatic increase in, in the homeless population, basically since the pandemic. Accused wanted any ban to also include increased mental health and substance abuse treatment services. So th- this is something that's important there, this distinction. She was not against the ban. But she wanted any kind of ban on camping to be accompanied by these other things, you know, by these by an increase in services. While Anduril yeah. was strictly in favor of the camping ban and absolute and no other provisions along with it. Anduril wanted to put them in kayaks and send them across the water to Seattle. Well, really, this is the, this is just the move along solution to homelessness. It's 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 saying that you just can't be homeless here. But it's not nothing about this wants to uh, includes any kind of intention to address the problem and the precursors. And it's understandable. This is a very small community. And, you know, so they they have this idea that these people didn't come from here. It's not like the Mercer Island population, part of it became homeless. That's their attitude, that the homeless people moved here. And so they don't feel any any compunction against moving them back out or encourage them strongly to move along. This, this used to be sort of colloquially, retur- colloquially referred to as the bus ticket solution. And this is something that a lot of communities used to used to do where they would just round <clears throat> up these this, you know, at the time they would just call them vagrants or transients and give them bus tickets to some other city and send them on their way. That would that would be the end of it, but Mercer. Yeah. I mean, they didn't even want to do that at Mercer Island. They just wanted them gone. They didn't want to make it so difficult to be homeless that people would just leave. And you know, maybe let's do some demographic background for Mercer Island. According to the 2020 census, the median household income was one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Though this same Atlantic article put it at one hundred and seventy thousand dollars in in twenty twenty three. 
Mercer Island has also had some very notable residents. The island's been home to Paul Allen, co-founder of Microsoft, who recently sold a $67 million waterfront mansion. It is also the home to Ann Dunham, which would be Barack Obama's mother, Howard Lincoln, former chairman for Nintendo of America, and the current CEO of the Seattle Mariners, as well as Steve Miller, yes, as in that Steve Miller from the band, all live on Mercer Island. And I think this all adds uh, you know, I mean, a little they, bit they of have co- tech CEOs and dad rock packing. Yeah, the place. I mean, this, this adds a little bit of color to the conversation about exactly who wanted to get rid of the homeless problem, you know, and, and maybe why. You know, I'm not I'm not saying that any of these people were on board with voting for Anduril and just, you know, kicking them out. But this is an incredibly wealthy community. And, you know, this, and we're talking about the the least wealthy among them. Yeah. All right, back to the Atlantic. Anderl was accused of wanting to defund the fire department. She had voted to study outsourcing some functions, but Accus felt that she herself received far worse treatment. She was cast on next door as a troubadour for Seattle-style homeless encampments, with one Anderl donor with one Anderl donor posting that Accus wanted to allow encampments on school grounds. During the campaign's final stretch, a Nextdoor post falsely stated that Akuz had been endorsed by Seattle's Socialist City Council member, Kashama Sawant. As a side note, she's a trot. And I found that of the socialists, of the, of the post-Leninists, in my view, the trots are typically the most tolerable, in my experience. And uh, she was the only one to oppose the head tax when everybody else flipped completely uh, from what was previously uh, a consensus about the homeless population. So credit where credit's due. She's not my favorite person, but credit where credit's due on Sawant. Yeah, there, there is a, there's definitely, I definitely have an attitude when it comes to a lot of politicians that don't let perfect become the enemy of the good. And just because somebody doesn't 100% adhere to my particular, you know, political picadillos, I guess, doesn't mean that they're not a hell of a lot better than, than the alternatives. Continuing on, quote, don't let this happen on Mercer Island, the Post said. Avoid a candidate endorsed by Sawant. Don't vote accuse. Now, it should be clear that she was not endorsed by Kashama Sawant. At all, <laughs> nothing. There, I don't think that there was any attempt to 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 get an endorsement. There certainly wasn't one volunteered. There, there was no connection between these two these two people whatsoever. It's not even really Seattle. I mean, yeah, you can I, <laughs> you can swim over there. Uh, it's so close, but uh, it, it's it's not even really Seattle. It's it, it is really quite isolated from, if you will, mainland. No, mainland is the right word. You don't need to will it. <laughs> <laughs> it's an island. <laughs> Accused tried to defend herself and correct misinformation through her own next door posts and comments, only to be suspended from the platform days before the general election. After the election, a next door representative told her the suspension had been, quote, excessive and rescinded it. So th- I think that's key here. The I don't I don't and I also don't think that that next door is involved in this necessarily. Now that could prove to be 
that there, there could be more information that at some point in the future might come to light about this particular scenario that next door intentionally held off the, the, the recension. Is that a word recension? Sure. Why not? <laughs> why not? Um, until after the election had, had ended, but it really seems that it's it more, it more fits the pattern that the, the actions of Nextdoor as the corporation are incredibly slow in relation to the community moderators. So if you do appeal something that, you know, a, a moderator decision, the, the response is just absolutely sluggish. So that's what it looks like to me that, and, and that's how I, that's what I'm seeing in this is that Nextdoor is really just completely checked out from the content on its platform, corporate Nextdoor is completely removed. Accused believe there was a pattern. Nextdoor posts could damage her campaign, seem to be tolerated, whereas... Hold on, you got to read that again. That doesn't make yeah, any yeah, sense. Yeah, I, I, I realize it. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to reread it. Accused believe that there was a pattern. Nextdoor posts that could damage her campaign seem to be tolerated, whereas posts that could hurt Anderl's seem to be quickly removed, even when they didn't appear to violate the platform's rules. It was weird. And she didn't know what to make of it. Quote, you're like, am I being paranoid or is this coordinated? Accused said. And you don't know. You don't know. That that really is part of the point is that you don't know. There's there's no you're, you're just you're just uh, uh, divining the sticks that fall on the ground at a certain point about what's happening behind a, a platform or an algorithm or something like that. Well, it turns out that this is not a completely um, unusual scenario for Nextdoor, that when it comes to local politics, there's a couple of other events that occurred in the previous years that are really similar. And one of them uh, played out in Delaware in 2019 over a school budget referendum. And in this particular case, there was, there were basically, you know, in this, in this community of, uh, uh, I want to say it was Christina, uh, was a school district. They, they, there were a number of conditions that, that, that all coincided. One of which was that, um, some of the more affluent people that were more heavy contributors to the tax base in the, in the area had moved out of the region someplace else. I I have no idea what these long-term trends indicate in that area of Delaware, but they basically found themselves at a, um, uh, unable to pay the, all of their bills with their current budget. So this, they had a school budget referendum and it, and it, and it didn't pass. So, which was, which resulted in some people getting laid off and just tightening of the belt, basically. Then in, in, uh, in 2020, I think they, it was, it was that they had another one and it did pass luckily, but this whole, the whole scenario was, was really fought out over next door which with a lot of people making posts and the same kind of allegations about posts in favor of the referendum getting taken down and posts against the referendum being left up and, you know, really partisan type stuff on part on the part of these moderators. So the story of, you know, that, that is really getting laid out in front of us, if it isn't clear, is that this attitude of next door really stepping back from any kind of involvement in moderation is is defaulting to these these volunteer moderators who have agendas in a lot of cases because again they're self-selecting 
they they're choosing themselves for to be moderators or they're, they're being added as moderators by people they're acquainted with and have similar political alignments to or alignments with uh, another one um, was in uh, in Newark in a, in a part of Newark there was there was another instance of a very similar uh, scenario taking place where Nextdoor uh, really seemed to have a heavy influence on some city on some city council voting. And also, you know, in multiple communities during the 2020 election, there were unconfirmed reports of voter intimidation at polling locations. And again, these 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 posts are are not removed, even though they're, you know, because of this sort of this sort of clause that Nextdoor has that communities need to, you know, need to um be themselves and, and they need to, the members need to be able to be represented. So that means that there is no large scale oversight over the quality of these posts. So if you happen to have a group of very active next door users in your community who are election deniers and, you know, election truthers, then those posts get to get to ride because next door doesn't ex- really exert a policy. It brings it back to just what you were saying earlier, which is, who are the types of people who are attracted to being moderate moderators on of all things next door? Yeah. They're the most enthusiastic, unfortunately. And that, that is, you know, this is a very slanted conversation where the examples that we're bringing up right now, or that I'm bringing up all have to do with really just kind of maniacal conservative people. And, but the alternative can be there too, where you have this, this real hardcore, you know, so for example, what I didn't what I didn't come across, but I would be willing to bet exists, is that there is a community where there is a real strong, like heavy, like liberal Democrat presence, and a huge um, amount of like RussiaGate type information there. You know, yeah, like where people are just it. obsessed with trying to you know catch Donald Trump in something, and I would be willing to bet that that exists somewhere. You know, that there's a community there. And I, I also wouldn't put it past, you know, some of the, some of these um, media outlets to maybe not put as much attention on that as they would on the people who were uh, like QAnon, uh, you know, like QAnon proponents or election truthers or something like that. That doesn't get quite the the uh, the traction with some of the mass media. Crucially, these are these are the kind of things that that we saw with with. Uh, uh, Moms for Liberty. With Moms for Liberty, they had a central message that was being propagated on a national level. And while that central message may have been distributed at the local level, what was happening is that the the people who were acting through w- with that national message were acting in such a local way that it was it was really hard to fight back against it one by one because you'd be playing whack-a-mole and they're, they're popping up in all these different local instances carrying the same message. So it is almost more powerful than a national campaign that targets in a national way where we have these, these some semi consistent things happening in on, on the local basis that spread across the United States and their implementation ends up being uh, in spaces that are so easy to take over that you can astroturf the whole fucking thing. Mm-hmm. 
And then that that goes into the 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 requirements for signing up for an account on Nextdoor and for being becoming a moderator. Because essentially, you can just sign up for an account. You could make up all of your information. It doesn't matter. So when I uh, I actually already had a Nextdoor account from maybe eight years ago or something like that, and so you know for the for this episode, I wanted to see my current neighborhood, so I updated my address. There was no verification about anything. I just put in the new address, and now I'm in now I'm a resident of this little cohort of people and seeing this news and everything, you know, everything is, is available to me. I can comment on things. I could post something myself. I could do whatever. There's nothing that stops me. I mean, next door is big on this. You have to use your real name and you have to do this and that, but why I could have created, I can create a new account and use another name. I can make up any name I want. In one of these Atlantic articles, or maybe it was another one that I read the, they they closed it by saying that their editor. No, no, this is coming up. Why don't you read this? Oh, okay, it is coming up. Okay, okay. This is from the from the same Atlantic article. Anderl, for her part, told me she has no illusions about the accuracy of Nextdoor information. It's too easy to get in an account, she said. She recalled that years ago, when she first joined Nextdoor, she had to provide the company with her street address, send back a postcard mailed to her by Nextdoor even have a neighbor vouch for her. Then, once she was in, she had to use her first and last name in any posts. I don't think that's there anymore, Andrel said, a concern that was echoed by other Mercer Island residents. So, Andrel, remember, she was the opponent of accuse. Yeah. Yeah, This is the one who wanted to just kick out the homeless people and not give them any extra services. She yeah. is also concerned about the verification or the lack of a verification process on Nextdoor. Indeed, when my editor who lives in New York tested this claim, he found that it was easy to sign up for Nextdoor using a fake address and a fake name and to become a new member of Mercer Island Nextdoor while uh, <laughs> while actually read. <laughs> Let me reread that. No, no, just keep going. Of Mercer Island next door while actually residing on the opposite coast. Nextdoor would not discuss how exactly it verifies users, saying only that its process is based on trust. Which is to say it doesn't verify anything. It just it's like the honor system. And that in it, that itself is an, an amazing exposure, amazing vulnerability to being able to exploit next door. So this is not going to go anywhere. You know, this, uh, this, this idea that the, that you can game this, you know, it's extremely easy yeah. to game this platform and to do with it, whatever you will, because you can sign up for an account with a fake name. Then you can apply to be a community moderator and possibly get it. Then once you get in with your fate, with your sock puppet account, there is absolutely nothing that stops you from creating two, three, four more sock puppet accounts, all with fake credentials, and granting and inviting all of those accounts to be moderators. So now you find yourself in possession of, you know, maybe just short of half a dozen sock puppet accounts that allow you to completely, uh, to heavily influence the direction of conversations, at least in your area. And this is this is this is the what it would look like 
for an uncoordinated effort at at uh, influencing local politics. Now imagine how that could look if it was coordinated. Imagine if you could do the same sort of thing in a couple of key areas all at the same time for a metropolitan uh, for for some metropolitan area. And you know, so you have you you could end up having influence over local elections. You could have influence over a mayoral election. You know, possibly even state representatives. Yeah, just by with a couple of people, you would need you actually. There would there would be nothing stopping somebody who was who was skilled enough at uh, from from just a single skilled individual doing this for an entire state managing say fifty or sixty sock puppet accounts. Absolutely, and, and when you have and when you have enough uh, sock puppet accounts, it only takes a few a few votes to ban a a flagged item. So you have one 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 sock pocket puppet flag an item, and then you have a number of your other sock puppets say, "Oh yeah, that is terrible." Done, and and you could do that endlessly. When the, when this you know when when some of these circumstances about Mercer Island were brought up to next door corporate, they they did end up removing something along the lines of twenty fake accounts for Mercer Island, an island of twenty six thousand people. Yeah. And there were oh, 20, twenty fake. I, I, were, they were there not 20, twenty accounts? I was going to say, weren't they twenty fake admin accounts? I, I don't think there were that many moderators for Mercer Island. Oh, okay, uh, I, I think there there were some there were fake accounts that were just posting things. Oh, okay, and okay, which is another thing that you can do to influence stuff. You know, once you figure out what's going to resonate with the community, <laughs> what the hot what the, the hot button items are then you can just create fake accounts to comment on things or even start the post. So this yep. is, this isn't some, you know, th- this isn't, you know, some exaggerated kind of like Russian influence campaign on the U S election. This could be done on the cheap. Yeah. yeah. It, well, the, the, the Russian influence campaign for what it was, was also done on the cheap, but <laughs> yeah, the, and then and, and this is, you know, that this is a feature that is, you know, this is not a bug in the way that Nextdoor works. You know, this this is this is an a, this is an aspect of their platform that they don't intend to really do anything about. You know, they, they, this idea that they want to be local, but at the same time keep their hands off and not do any confirmation that people are actually residents of this community. I remember when I first signed up. You know, like after reading these articles, I, I did remember that you know, back in 2015 or whatever it was when I was living in a different part of the city and I signed up for next door that I did get a postcard in the mail and I did, and I had a code on it and then I had to return the postcard. And I, I remember doing that, that I, I think that the only reason that they stopped doing some, you know, like they stopped using that process is that it's just too much friction for a sign up, And, you know, they want people to be up to be able to get up and going right away as opposed to having to wait a couple of weeks for this back and forth with the mail system. Yeah. But that is about the only way you can do this. And with, with all of these volunteers, I mean, honestly, they should make people send a photo of their damn house in or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least the the numbers on their mailbox, you know, with, with, with all of these volunteers that they have going on, this, this is a company that, that is not some kind of a ragtag company that is, is 
you know, just flying by the seat of its pants here and, and, and holding everything together with paper clips and bubble gum. It, I mean, in 2021, it announced that it was going to go public with a reverse merger with, with, uh, um, uh, a valuation of $4.3 billion. Yeah. This is not a small company. This is not a tiny company here. And so, well, actually it might have a tiny staff. But it is value. It has a very high valuation, and and that's you know that's another feature of the of uh, you know that is another Silicon Valley lesson it is having this just bare minimum number of people that are required to run something. But it doesn't mean that you can do all the parts of the business that that would make you a responsible business owner. I mean, Elon Musk is. I, I, well, I was about to say learning, but he's not going to learn a goddamn thing. But no. Elon Elon Musk is experiencing what happens when you run a major multinational corporation on a skeleton crew, mm-hmm. especially a data driven corporation. It's the same thing here where y- you can't quite handle it with such a skeleton crew in a meaningful way that addresses all the issues that you're experiencing. No, and you can't address other things, you know, like the like the ideas that I just brought up about, you know, sending in a photo of your house or something like that. All of this address verification and, you know, it, it also involves some privacy concerns because once you send them their information, then what happens to it? You know, Nextdoor says they do something, but what do they actually But what do they actually do? And these things have been brought up by the ACLU and the Electronic Frontier Foundation you know, these, these particular privacy concerns about the data that people send. So their response to this has been to just like not do any verification at all. <laughs> they, just, yeah. they, they don't do any moderation. They don't do any verification. They, like they said, it's based on, it's based on trust. And you know, th- this whole system has, is, it, you know, creates this amazing opportunity for exploitation, especially as the company grows, you know, they've, they've, uh, acquired a couple of companies over the years. Um, one of them is like Hoodline, I think was one of them. And another one, I don't remember what the name of the other one was, but they, um, you know, they've, they've acquired a few companies and and grown through these acquisition. Maybe it was called Street Life was the other one. I, I do remember that the two that I came across were incredibly shady sounding. You know, yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Street Life and Hoodline. The, but I, I think that that's what it was. Those are the two companies. And that's how they've been expanding. That's one of the ways they've been expanding markets. And try, you know, the, so the Hoodline was, uh, or Street Life was a UK-based or uh, company. And Hoodline might have been as well, you know, as in neighborhood, not a thief that's going to s- strong arm rob you. <laughs> no, that's a hoodlum. Hoodlum. That's a hoodlum. This is hoodlum. And really on that end of the pond, it would be hooligan. Yeah, right. A, a lot of and a lot of the uh the defense the next door is used has been has been strongly relying on the uh the the Supreme Court position on section 230, um, which basically allows you know allows them to distance themselves from the content on their platform because they are not publishers. You know, they're, they're creating an environment and as if they're some sort of a, of a, like a community bulletin board and they are no, they are not responsible for what gets posted on it. 
Section 230 is, is some, it's, it's called the 26 words that created the internet. It comes from a 1996 bill or 98, I think it's 96 bill that was there pretty much right at the birth of the internet as we know it for the most part, when we just started to see websites trickling in and, and people starting to discover what the internet is. There's some great 1990s videos like these like stock or not stock footage, but like vintage clips of, of like newscasters saying, now there's this new thing called email or electronic mail. It's, it's great. But it was, it's, it's the time that you'd see those kinds of videos that they, they released these, the, this one section that made it so that almost the entirety of the exploration of the, the internet as we know it now became possible with Twitter, with uh, Facebook, with, with MySpace, all of these many years later. But a lot of these places that users can go on and post whatever they're going to post if it was required that the company was responsible for every single bit of content on their website and uh, particularly content that was posted by other people that were not staff members of the website or official company members in some way, then uh, uh, if they were responsible for all of that, then we would never see the rise of social media at all. It would be impossible. We would never see the kind of, content that we get from crowdsource media ever and and so that, that I, I is the think, see i don't think it. that's entirely true because there there is a there's this whole culture of of internet forums that relied on you know some really strong arm moderation and a lot of banning it, the and those the, you know that that style of moderation is just gone these forums relied on just a couple of just a couple of individuals to moderate all the content and you know the mods would just kick people if they if they if people were getting out of line and it was a um there will be some standardized guidelines for a particular community in in the forums but overall you know the uh, some of it was just based on vibes and obviously that can go you know very very wrong but they generally people had the right attitude about this stuff, you know, like they, they, it was a different type of participation than we have now. Oh, sure. And, and what I'm saying is, is with two, two thirty, it's emergence. I mean, I mean this, this particular section of the bill made it so that, you know, a company like Twitter is not held liable legally for literally all the posts that its users make. Within reason. So like a, a company, you, you can't have uh, child porn, for example. Like that's one of the what, that's one of the lines that was drawn, um, I think, in court cases, actually, later court cases um, that, you, you know, that's that's one of the things where it doesn't matter who posts it. You can't have kitty porn, but and, and a few other things. But for the most part, uh, that that section made the Internet possible, because if anything was if any company could be sued for anything that was posted on its website, you could imagine that companies would have a very strong interest in, in making sure that they control every bit of information and they would never, I mean, they, they would almost be discouraged from letting anybody speak freely without moderating everything, uh, every single post 
at all. I mean, that's just untenable. But see, that's that's exactly what I'm saying, though, is that on these forums, on these old message boards, every single post was moderated. Oh, the early days. Yeah. You know, so you wouldn't have you didn't have that anymore. But that model is totally gone because they want a hands off policy. They want they don't want to have to have that that kind of close moderation because it's expensive. Because oh, it's manpowers, sure. it, you know, it's it's actually it's manpower. It's actual working hours, and they don't want to do that. But at the same time, they don't want to be responsible. So this is the conundrum that we're in right now. Well, it's not even a fucking conundrum. It's basically it's the way that the system's been worked, so that you know these rich fucks that own these these billion dollar valued social media platforms can just do whatever the fuck they want, and anything goes. And then they get to be absolved from any responsibility because they're not publishers. They're just providing an, a pl- the platform, the context, the environment, you know, and they don't have to be responsible for the any of the content that gets posted there, except in the most extreme circumstances. You know, we're talking hate speech, child pornography, threats of violence, that kind of stuff, you know, like, which is like, which is a pretty like, narrow area area of responsibility. I think that there is a I don't think that there should be any kind of a law that is contradictory to 230. I mean I I I do I am I am kind of in the camp of uh platforms ought to be able to have the po- the possibility of not moderating their shit and letting people say whatever they want to say. Here we go. Jules comes out as a laissez-faire capitalist. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, I'm a libertarian socialist. It's in the name libertarian. It's right there. But at the <laughs> never trust anybody with a political ideology. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I I do think that you know people ought to be able to to say uh, uh, what they want to say relatively freely. But I do think that moderation creates a a culture. And if you say, here are the rules of this, of this discussion group, you can have a a constraints that allow discussion to flourish and allow communities to flourish even better with some moderation and, uh, and uh, guidelines about how this works and some kind of enforcement behind it. But that's not me saying that it should be a law. I'm saying that next door is not implementing good moderation. And I think that good moderation can create much more vibrant communities and much better dialogue. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, 100%. I, I, in no way am I, am I opposed to the idea of moderation uh, on, on message boards or on places like Twitter or something like that. And there aren't really any message boards anymore. But, but just just a coon. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't think it's the state's role to be to be stepping in and saying here's oh, how you no. need to moderate your content. That's that's what I was saying about two thirty. Well, now there, but there's there there is a distinction there though because at what uh, you know where do you draw the line then? You know, do you say that like okay, hate speech is okay if the community allows it? You know, like threats of violence, racist well, I language. Know, I don't know the answer to that. I, I haven't. I mean, those are those are questions about like where the infringement of rights comes in, you know, like, do we just allow anything goes? Because we see what it looks like in environments where anything does go. You know? I mean, because, it's, I mean, it's, it's really the made, question. 
Well, hold on. Like I Sorry, just brought up, I just brought up Acone. I mean, that's where you can go to see what it looks like when anything goes, and it's a fucking cesspool. And I well, guess that's, if that's, that's what you want, then it can't exist. But should it be allowed to in that particular form? It's a good question. I, I really do support the idea of of free speech to uh, uh, I think a greater extent than many other people. I, I, I'm I'm pretty pretty open about that. Uh, in terms of what I think should be able to be said by people and what uh, should be the purview of the, of the state to shut down. I, I do think that these companies have a, a benefit to themselves and their users to moderate in, in a meaningful way what the content is and not ha- take a totally hands-off approach. When you have some of the cesspools that you see on the internet, like we were saying, 8chan, then you're going to have some issues uh, with the quality of content from the people who stay there because people are just going to bounce when you're letting uh, blowhards take over. And I think that's what, what next door may experience in the future. Uh, Maybe they won't. But that's the thing though, is that they don't bounce. They just get mad and then they post more and they comment and then they post again you know, like that's, that is the, you know, that's how an app like Nextdoor goes, you know, ha- can, can have an aspect to itself of just this rage generating machine. You know, yeah. you, 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 like you, and you fall on these hot button topics for a neighborhood when people have their sort of neighborhood glasses on and then they're thinking about their own home and they're thinking about getting broken into and, or be, you know, being assailed by the, by a horde of homeless people trying to take a <laughs> bath in their front water, in their, in their watering hose, you know, and they, they, they think about this and they, it keeps them up at night. You know, they get, they, they're absolutely petrified about the, you know, from these, these, this negative imagination. And they, and, and they get the very what, real reinforcement from the app that is, that is not just a psychological reinforcement. Yes, it's happening. You're, you're getting brain chemicals. You're, you're, it's, you're it getting, is happening. The, your day of the dead fear of the homeless of like assailing your home while you're in is, the middle, while you're at work during the day, coming back to find a house full of squatters, you know, like it's, it's this there and you just post your little heart away trying to keep it at an arm's length. Neighborhood watch paranoia is being gamified. Absolutely. It is with push notifications. Yeah. And, and next, and next door is, um, you know, the thing that they have, uh, up on the, uh, on their, uh, radar is generative AI to assist you in creating your high to, uh, create highly engaging posts. <laughs> <laughs> so next door has been working with open AI to uh, to you know, to add artificial intelligence to the uh, to the post creation experience, you know they say generative AI has the potential to revolutionize neighborly conversations. Because what could be more neighborly than enlisting the aid of artificial intelligence to talk to your neighbors? Um, My neighbor's a robot. Okay, I mean, don't don't be robot discriminatory. Leveraging chat GPT API will provide writing tools that enhance the way neighbors communicate with one another. Introducing Nextdoor Assistant. We are testing a new assistant feature to help you write posts that are more likely to drive positive community engagement. (laughs) I can't imagine how this is going to turn out. (laughs) Considering all these scenarios where where, uh, generative AI has been shown to be really, really racist. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And and have an affinity for Nazis. This will be awesome. (laughs) 
I mean, almost instantly it goes far right. Assistant can be used when writing a new post to see a revised suggestion that the neighbor can review and edit before finishing their post. Like, did you mean whites only? (laughs) (laughs) I I imagine Clippy, I I imagine Clippy, it looks like you're trying to find a racial slur. May I suggest? It looks like like you're trying to write a manifesto. Can I help? Additionally, assistant will suggest ways to rephrase potentially unkind comments and to recommend kinder revisions for comments that trigger a kindness reminder, which is a link that goes somewhere, to support our ongoing efforts to build an inclusive, welcoming community for all. Assistant will will first be tested in neighborhoods across the U.S. Jesus, they're going to test across the country all at once. Once we are confident in our ability to determine the quality and impact of generative AI for our global neighbors, we'll be in a strong position to roll roll this out globally. Global neighbors. Neighbors come to next door to exchange information, resources, and ideas. The new generative AI technologies also enable us to to deliver more personalized and relevant content to you. By analyzing the topic and context of conversations, we can better match content to your needs and interests, providing more targeted recommendations for local news, events, and activities. So there it was. It, it was describing the, whitewashing something. <laughs> when you said "kill them all," did you mean ethnic cleansing? Cleansing. It is a kinder way of saying it. <laughs> a brave new future brought to you by Nextdoor. <laughs> <laughs> As always, thank you for listening once again. If you'd like to hear some extra premium episodes and get access to our back catalog, you can subscribe at patreon.com slash wetwired. It would also be great if you could review our show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. especially or at least rate it. And especially rate it. Uh, or you could share the show on social media. We're, we're on Twitter. Uh, that would be awesome, too. Everything is at wetwiredpod, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you're at. And you can also let us know what you think of the show on on Twitter and Instagram. I mean, we'd love to hear what people's thoughts are and to hear what your ideas are. I I actually, like, contrary to what people might think when you're considering contacting the hosts of a podcast, I love seeing those DMs. I like seeing what people have to say. So, again, you can find us at wetwiredpod or you can find us on our Discord And that link will be in the show description. And we will see you all next time. Later, Later, skaters. skaters. Talk us through the purpose of Nextdoor and what you personally see as the vision for it. When I joined Nextdoor uh, a little over four years ago, we, we were doing a lot, right? Local is a lot. Just about anything you do in some ways can be brought down to a local level. And I didn't think we had that cut through of something really inspiring that, you know, I always say about purpose, it's not just getting up in the morning to go to work, but it's what bolts you out of bed and makes you run to work because you're like, I have to make that happen. Nextdoor really has that, that, you know, inspiring purpose to me. I want us to be a platform where the utility and community do really interweave and that anything you think about doing locally, you can get done on Nextdoor, whether it's grow your business, 
create an event, you know, agitate for change through your local mayor or something. There's so much that we can do on the platform. Thank you.